With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of A Hard to Tell Podcast. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code BACKPACK. PrizePix will match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play Download the Prize Picks app today. Ain't hard to tell podcast episode two oh seven. First episode of 2022. Yes, sir. Too late to be saying this, but happy new year to our listeners. I'm (laughs) kind of at that cutoff point where I don't say that anymore, but uh, happy happy new year to all of you out there. Hopefully your new year is going well. I don't see anybody's new year's resolutions on social media anymore. Hopefully you stick to that. If you have done that, Uh, Dexter and Brian Fonseca here, Brian, how you doing? How's your new year going? At the time of this podcast uh, being posted, uploaded onto the streets, I will have turned 28 years old. So there's that. <laughs> there, is that. there is that. So you are now weird older. It's you weird. are inching closer to 30. Yeah, that's oh god. I was just, I don't even think it's like because I have said in the past, like I am looking forward to that point in my life, but like. Not from necessarily a physicality standpoint, you know what I mean. It's gonna it's gonna get uh, tougher and tougher, from what I understand. But I'm working out, I'm taking care of myself. Just and also just being yeah, in those pay, last. Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, those, those, yes, <laughs> and yeah. just being in those last couple of years before you turn thirty, I feel like it, I feel like it, it'll probably be awkward. I think I think I think once you pass twenty five, the the latter half of your twenties could get really awkward. Uh, personally and professionally, so uh, I've already experienced <laughs> <Awkward>. that. <laughs> I don't yeah, because you're 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 in like you know like from a professional standpoint, you're too old to be entry level, but you're not old enough or experienced enough usually to get senior okay. titles as we okay. talked about. So well, it's like I mean, what kind of too, but yeah, yeah. Well, 
that's another discussion for another day. Yeah. But no, not even about the senior titles and stuff, but it's like you're trying to figure out where you fit in a lot of different cases. Mm-hmm. How much longer are you going to be the quote unquote young one of certain uh, groups or among certain people and things of that nature? I still think you're young until you turn like, I don't know, 50 or some shit. But even if you die at 50, I say that you still died young. But uh, that's just how I look at it. But yeah. As long um, as you fail. Yeah. yeah so, no, nah, but I feel, I mean, all things with standings, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm doing well <laughs> on that regard. Good. And uh, I, th- I think 2022 is going to be the best year of my career. That's what the fuck I think. There you go. I that's like, what I, I think. I like that energy. I think 2022 is going to be a great year. Uh, got a lot of good things in content. Got some new things starting that we will talk about uh, soon. That's coming mm-hmm. up that I'm excited about. So a lot of good stuff uh, going on. I feel the same vibes about 2022. Had a great holiday season. Yes. Relaxing holiday season, which was much needed. And hopefully everybody is staying safe with this uh, Omicron variant uh, going about and doing what they need to do. Um, but yeah, not excited. Excited about the new year. I was supposed to do something in the new year, uh, doing some traveling. I told you to Milwaukee and that didn't happen. Uh, because of COVID, and so, something I was supposed to cover got canceled around the uh, Olympic trials. But you know, glad 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 to deal with that. I did actually one good thing. One good thing already happened for me in the new year. I'm so excited about this, and I told you this the other day, Brian. I got myself a PS5. There came a time when you didn't know what was harder to get: a PS5 or a home kit COVID test. I don't know what was harder to get. <laughs> I got both of them in the last week. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Finally got a PS5. Took forever to get a PS5, but finally got one. Yeah, excited to play some next generation gaming. So uh, that that should be good. I haven't done too much in the next generation gaming. I did play some 2K uh, the other night uh, on the next gen. Looks nice. Plays a little bit differently than the PS4. Um, better, I actually might add. Uh, I, yeah, but, I would hope so. I don't but, have a uh, PS5 yeah. yet, but what I will say, well, and I don't need one. Like, I'm not at the point where it's like I'm. I'm not even looking for one right now. Right. I, I'm probably. I'm. Pro- I'm gonna sit out because I'm not getting any new games. I'm good until summer, fall ish. I may get the show, but I don't. I don't really know. But like, my thing with this, if there's one area that I could say that I'm that I would be hating on someone who has a PS5, it would be NBA 2K22 for one reason, because in in the next gen you can actually create a WNBA player. So yep. I heard and read and go through the career like that. I want to be able to do that. So I'm going to have to wait a year. And I hope that, uh, I hope that you're able to do that and have fun with it. Cause I'm sure it'll be better than fun. Here's the thing. I'll probably have a better chance of finishing the season because it's not going to be 82 game season. It's going to be 34. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can power through that in, in, a, in less than a month if I really want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's tough. I feel like I'm at the time, but like, yeah, so far, so good playing the PS5. Don't have a lot of PS5 games for it yet, and I don't think I will for quite some time because I still have some games from the PS4 that I'm trying to uh, finish over. But it, uh, one thing I will say for people, if you're looking at the PS5 or trying to get one when you do get one, the portability, able to the cross the cross uh, back play is really good, and so the ability to be able to play games you already downloaded on there is really good. So, yeah. I'm I'm uh I'm excited to start playing some stuff, but we move to sports. It is the midpoint of the NBA season we're at now. A lot of, we all had thoughts about the NBA at the start of this season, who was gonna win, what's gonna happen, all this stuff. We just saw the variants spread through the NBA, uh affect a lot of teams. 
canceling some games. We had players on rosters that we didn't even think we would ever see again. Shout out to my man, Lance Stevenson. He just got signed uh, to the Indiana Pacers for the rest of the season. Shout out. So is, that, is that the guy for you? Where, where you saw where you saw him back on a roster and you're like, oh, this is where we are? Because uh, for me, I, for me I here's a blast that from the past. Here's a blast from the past. For me, other than yeah. the guys that I've never heard of, because there was a few. I'm a deep cut dude. Like I've watched college and follow college and follow international, whatever. And there are some dudes, uh, one in the Orlando Magic in particular, who looks like Nico Mannion, Hassani Gravit, or something like that. I've never heard of him before. But Dex, when I saw Scotty Hobson appear on an NBA roster, that's when I was like, oh, that's where we are in uh, 2022, 2021, I guess, at the time. He was with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't know if he's still there, but. Scotty Hobson, who I think is 32 years old now. And if people don't remember, like he was one of the best high school players in America around the time that Brandon Jennings was one of the best high school players in America. Um, I think they played in the Jordan Classic together in 2008 or nine. Uh, It had to be 2008 because then he went to uh, Italy and then entered the draft. But Scotty Hobson was somebody who like was really good and, you know, had like some of the early YouTube highlights and things like that. And seeing him in the NBA, I was like, whoa. This is where we are right now in 2021. I think though, this is where we are moment for me was like seeing Joe Johnson get a 10 day contract. Oh, it was yeah. like Joe Johnson That's coming back. One. Shout out to Joe, Joe Johnson, Joe Jesus. Um, that was kind of crazy to see, but um, that's it. But I think there were guys like Lance. You always talk to me about this before the variant spread through. You always be like, yo, do you think there's some guys that are playing overseas that played in the NBA that could still be in the league? You and I have had this conversation before. So it was nice to see some of those guys get that chance and guys like Lance Stevenson get back in the league and then make an impact with their play. Lance had a big game against the Brooklyn Nets. Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe with the Timberwolves. I think it's been nice because there's some guys, you know, where it's like, yo, we know they can still play in the league. Um, I last saw Lance personally right before he uh, left after his season with the Lakers. I saw him in Brooklyn when he was going to sign to play overseas. So to see him get back, I know he's happy. Family is happy. And I'm glad for him to see him to see him get that opportunity. But uh, he's he's balled out and played hard. I want to see Rondé Hollis Jefferson get an opportunity. That's the that's the one guy I'm sort of waiting to see. I think Shane Larkin also has an NBA opt out, and he is one of the best Euroleague players. If you have been following uh, non NBA stuff and what's going on out there, he's in Turkey, and he Shane Larkin's had an excellent excellent career out there. Rondé Hollis Jefferson right now, he's balling. I'm forgetting where I'm blanking on it, and it's weird because I wrote about this a couple of times, but he uh, – I think he's also in Turkey, actually, uh, and he was playing on the same yeah, I team. Yeah, that's where he was. Yeah, he's playing on – he's playing – Jordan Bowen is on his team, Isaiah Whitehead. Like, there's familiar names that were out there or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's actually been leading that team in scoring, and he has an NBA opt-out, too. I think he's someone that he should be in the league, but – you know, people will be like, oh, he's 6'6 and can't shoot, so we can't find a role with him. And it's like he does pretty much everything else. <laughs> like he defends and he could pass well for his position and he hustles and shit. I mean, it's hard It's hard to be in the league now if you can't shoot. Like that's the thing about it. Like it's real hard to be in the league. He could at least shoot from the mid-range. He could do that. Yeah. You know, so. Well, you know, people. Figure it out. At three, three. So it, it is what it is. All right. But what are your thoughts on this NBA season right now? Uh, I think if you look at it, I was, we were talking before we started recording just about betting favorites, right? And you're seeing a lot of love still for the Brooklyn Nets. They're still the odds-on betting favorite. Then you'll have usually the Warriors or the Suns, depending on what betting house that you're looking at. Do you think the Nets still deserve to be the odds-on NBA favorites, Brian? 
Sure, but I ain't putting my money on them. <laughs> Just the way they've looked, uh, you know, I I have questions about uh, their makeup. Right. I have questions about a lot of different things like we just at the day we're recording this, they just escaped a overtime game against the San Antonio Spurs at home. The best city jerseys in the NBA, by the way, San Antonio Spurs that we talked about this, the Latino barbecue jersey like they got that one. The Fiesta joints. Those are fucking beautiful. Um, Yeah, I just it just feels a lot like Kevin Durant is going to have to have. Is going to have to be his superhuman self the entire way through. And I worry about the strain that puts on him, right? So we talked a lot on this podcast about health. We're at the halfway point of the season now. And my concern would be with the Nets in particular is that Kevin Durant, uh, post-Achilles, year 15. Post-Achilles is something that you know about, Dex, year 15. Um, Post-Olympics also, like he's just been on a run where even last year he was in and out of injury a little bit, then played in the Olympics, and now he's back for this year. Obviously had some rest and has been healthy throughout the course of this year. I think he had COVID protocols at some point and had uh, a few rest days. But for the most part, like he's been around all season long. He hasn't had any significant injuries and things of that nature. And I'm worried about the wear and tear because, look, if you're going to get to the finals from here, you're talking about five more months of basketball. Um, you're talking about like grueling, like this is where shit is really going to get on. And a lot of teams have gotten over COVID. So it's not to say that the worst is behind us, but like, I think half or more than half the league has had the virus, uh, and they're getting guys back from that. But that's not that, that is unrelated to just injuries. Injuries are something that we're continuing to see spike. So I'm worried about him having to overcompensate for their deficiencies if he's going to stay healthy throughout the rest of the season. Because again, you still have like roughly 40 games left. And on top of that, you're going to have playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm still looking at other teams in the East. Um, I'm not going to go Miami Heat crazy this episode. Okay, okay. (laughs) Except what he's letting you know is I won't go crazy this episode. But I will go sometime or on some other platform. I, I <laughs> what I will say is this: they're lo- coming off that win at Phoenix, where they were they had half their team healthy, including not their best two players. They are looking dangerous because what's happening with them is they're developing players at a rate that no one else is, and on top of that. Uh, with Omeriard 7, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, who is uh, now back from COVID protocols but hasn't played the last several games. Yeah. And other guys on their roster just getting this opportunity and being able to take Caleb Martin and being able to take advantage of it uh, without – and they're getting – they have like a 10-2 and two or something like that or 8-2 and two record against the best teams in the NBA. It's either 10-2 and two against the top eight or 8-2 and two against the top ten, whatever it is. And a lot of those games have been without Jimmy and or Amadabaya who is yep. still not back yet from his thumb injury. And they're probably going to take their sweet ass time in bringing him back uh, because they don't just have the other guys get the experience because then it gives you more players to turn into and in turn into in the playoffs. What I wonder about the heat is uh, obviously, you know, health. Um, they have their injuries now. Will they later on their schedule is favorable a little bit? Cause that's another thing they navigated through the road, the heavy road portion of the schedule. Now there's going to be a lot of home games coming up. Uh, they have a chance to really peak in March, April, which is going to be dangerous for the rest of the Eastern Conference. What I wonder about, for one thing, is health, right? Jimmy Butler, is he going to stay healthy? Is Bam Adebayo going to stay healthy? Perhaps, but we'll see, because um, that's a big if. But the other thing is, are they going to package 
Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and try to get that. I don't want to say third star necessarily, but, you know, try to get somebody that really pushes them there. Like, oh, because remember, Kyle Lowry's having a very good season now. And then you still have Victor Oladipo waiting in the wings and he's going to be, you know, brought back at some point. So they could potentially like there's a route to them being very dangerous beyond what they've already demonstrated. And I think the Milwaukee Bucks should get some love because even without Brooke Lopez, I still think their championship experience helps them a lot. I just also worry on the injury front because Chris Middleton, Andrew Holiday also played in the Olympics and they've had a lot of basketball to play since. So he did talk a lot about the heat. As you can see, he talked a lot about the heat there. I cut it short. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we know you could have done more. Um, to that thing, I'm I'm all in with you about the Nets, right? Like I have legitimate concerns about not their talent or what they can do, but the strain that is being put on Kevin Durant. I'm really concerned about that. What what's been impressive about the Nets has been their defense. They've been really good defensively, better than I think a lot of people have expected. But then lately we've seen that really come back down to earth. I also worry about this. How disjointed will the team be? With Kyrie playing only road games now that he's back, not mm. playing home games, what happens when they get in the finals? I talked about this on the NBA Exchange the other day with Gerard, and yeah. I was like, okay, well, what happens if the Nets play the Warriors? Which really is a likely matchup, folks. It's actually a likely matchup. You know what happens? Kyrie, if the mandate's still stand in both cities, can't play in any of those games at all whatsoever. So I've concerns about them. I know they're the odds-on favorite, but I'm kind of with Brian on this. I'm not sure if I'm going to be putting my money on them to win. I'm not sure I would do that because I think there's so much unknown with their team. And there actually is a lot of question marks, including I didn't even mention James Harden and his inconsistent play. Started off the season really rough, started looking better in December, and then now lately hasn't been looking so good. So I'm not super high on them. What I would like to talk, what I would like to talk about is the Warriors. I think the Warriors have been really impressive. At the time we're recording this, Clay Thompson is coming back. They will get him back. Uh, he's starting. We'll see how he plays. It's, I'm going to have a lot of eyes on them and how they play. But they look like a well-oiled machine. They're fantastic on both sides of the ball. Let's not sleep on Phoenix either. Brian and I were talking about this before we started recording. We're talking about some sleeper teams you might want to throw some money on too. Right, B? And some of that might be you might want to look at the Clippers. Yep. Right? We're talking about teams if they get guys back. Could be the Clippers. Could be the Nuggets getting Jamal Murray back if Michael Porter Jr. come back. So I think what we're saying at this midseason check-in is there are teams clearly right now in the NBA that have separated themselves. The cream of the crop has risen to the top, should we say. But still some question marks with the, with the cream of the crop. And you still might want to look at some teams who might get guys back, like the Clippers, and also who makes a trade. Does Dallas yep. trade for somebody? Is Ben Simmons moved by the deadline. I find it hard to believe that he would not be. There's still a lot of unknown. I think it makes the second half of the season exciting. Like, I'm actually excited about that because of the questions we're bringing up, because there's still so much more to watch. And especially with trade season, you know, what are we under? Five weeks? Under five weeks from the trade deadline? Yeah. So at the time time we're recording this, it's almost exactly or about exactly 30 days, right? Right. So it's, it's right on a month. And I I don't think there's going to be a lot of noise until then, but I think there could potentially be a lot of noise like that week because I still think teams are trying to figure out how to put a roster together every night because of COVID protocols and things of that nature. So I think that they're probably going to give it a few weeks, but I think probably because we're also a couple weeks away from the All-Stars being announced. And I think around that time, which I think is January 25th, 26th, something along those lines, 
probably between then and the trade deadline for which is about a two week period. I think that's when you're going to really start to see things uh, sort of move around. Like I'm looking at is Jeremy Grant going to be on the move? Is Denver going to go the opposite way and just sort of punt a little bit and trade Will Barton and try to get parts back? Right. We just sort of move Bo Bo. I don't think that that's a meaningful move in any way. Uh, for them, because I didn't think they were going to play Bobo. Bo. I do hope Bobo Bo gets a chance. Yeah, to yeah your, your boy, your boy got freed. Hopefully, he gets played in Detroit. We'll see. Yeah, I just, I don't even think he's going to be like a, a superstar, like some people seem to, whatever the case may be. But I just want to see him play. Like, just well, you, him. you always like, thought he could have, you thought he could have a functional role on a team. I don't think you ever said that's that. what you I'm saying. I, yeah. I think he could be. He should be on a rotation. Right, like he could be yeah, on you somebody's thought he was, rotation. You thought you thought at best. You thought he not at best. I'm not saying where you projected, but I think you thought he could be a rotation player because you like the skill set. I think he could be better than uh, Thon Maker. How about that? Okay. <laughs> I think yeah. he could be better than Thon Maker. No, I think I think he could be like a, a good deal better than that. But yeah, I think he could have a functional role on an NBA rotation. No, but your point, your point, you were saying was, yeah, still wait to see what other teams have to do when teams trying to put together a roster. And Denver was the example you mentioned. Yeah, there's still a lot we don't know, and I think you're right about it. A lot of teams are still trying to figure out who the hell is on their team every night, and maybe when this surge of this Omicron wave slows down, then teams might. I think then you're right. You'll seriously see some trade talks, some people doing some stuff. Or hopefully we don't get another fucking variant. Which if not enough people get <laughs> get this jab. That you know, shit. It's been hard to get a booster shot because so many fucking people are going online to you know get tested and get vaccinated. Well, also, like also not just getting jab, wearing your mask, and not congregating as much as you need to in places where you don't need to be congregating with the variant out there. That's important too. Yeah. So yeah, we got we gotta we gotta get our vaccine game up, everybody. Um, and the last thing I'll say is yes, the Clippers are the team that I'm looking at in terms of a sleeper, uh, because I you remember in the summer. Even before Chris Haynes recently reported that they're sort of semi-targeting March for Kawhi Leonard's return, yep. I was saying the same thing just as a hypothesis. He actually reported it. I was saying, like, hmm, this could happen, right? That also makes me believe that Jamal Murray could, pump, could come back. Michael Porter Jr., I'm a little iffy on. I feel like he's not going to, but that's just a guess, right? Because it's a back. I don't know if they're going to necessarily rush that. He looked bad before that even happened, so I think they just might shut him yeah, down. Yeah, he did not look himself. No. Yeah, not at all. No, no, to be honest, I think they could still be very good without him, but that's another story for another day. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, though, there's an argument to be made. Like People talk about, oh, if Kevin Durant's foot uh, you know, was was a certain size, maybe the Bucs uh, don't win, whatever, whatever. I look at the Western Conference, and I say if Kawhi Leonard doesn't get hurts, do the Phoenix Suns even get to the finals as great as Chris Paul, DeAndre, and Devin Booker would? So that's why I'm so high on uh, on uh, them being a sleeper, you know, plus 1,000 on some books, <laughs> uh, when Kawhi Leonard comes back. Because Paul George was playing pretty well before that, all-star level before that. Um, he still might make the all-star game, though. I'm not sure he's going to play in it. We'll see how long his injury goes. But, yeah, Kawhi Leonard, I think, could really shift the power in that conference. And I think that they could make a move uh, at the trade deadline to sort of prepare themselves uh, in time for that. So. Maybe they're a sneaky Jeremy Grant team. Who knows? Yeah, there's a lot to see. I think you can see some teams make some moves up and down the standings. But these next, as Brian said, 30 days to the trade deadline, these next couple of weeks are going to be very interesting to see who plays, who separates themselves, maybe gets out of the playing tournament, where they play. The Lakers have been playing some better basketball lately. Do they have a couple moves, a buyout market? There's so much to look at. But I think right now, while there are favorites, which is the point I made, there's still questions about these favorites. We still, even the guys that Brian, you mentioned, will return. 
or hopefully will return, including I'm putting Clay in this as well, too. Yeah. You don't know how they're going to play. How yeah. good are they going to look when they come back? The Warriors still have James Wiseman who can return. Does Phoenix yep. make another move? There's a lot of questions I have at the midseason, but I'm very fascinated to see how this all plays out. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. Now, speaking of very fascinating, I found something the other day. Perusing <laughs> Twitter, Brian's laughing. The group chat was hot. It was hot. The group chat was. Hot. It was mainly because of me, but the group chat yeah, was yeah, hot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, you were, you were, you were angry, right? And I think Brian, I, you guys will feel the wrath of Brian's anger. Um, and for people who don't know, also Brian, you can feel the wrath of his anger when he's not even on camera. This is possible too. He did this the other day. He was watching the exchange and left a comment. You can look at that clip on Twitter. It's it's, it's out there. That's the comedy. You can feel his energy, but and let me let, let me get this correct because um, I don't want to get this correct. I came across this big Apple Madness, a tournament to decide the best neighborhood in New York City. Okay, and in this tournament, um, what it's done is done March Madness style. So there's a bracket and um, rankings, and this was done by uh, Autumn Florek. Uh, do not know her on Twitter, but she decided to put this together. She had her whole reasons and how she wanted to put the bracket together and the reason she decided on certain neighborhoods. And look, people had some issues. Brian's got some issues. People had some issues. Certain people were upset that certain neighborhoods were left off. They felt certain neighborhoods were seated too low. And, you know, I, I do think there were some bad omissions. One of the ones that comes to mind, if you're not a New Yorker, Forest Hills in Queens, oh. uh, a very uh, popular oh, neighborhood, great restaurants, great apartments, great everything. Close to transportation, you got the LIRR, yeah, good stuff. You got Austin Bill Burr is performing there this summer. Damn it, you all the stuff. Fuck? You got Forest, you got Forest Hill Stadium, all, all good, good stuff. Good neighborhood. Mouse performed there last year, actually. Right, good, good, good neighborhood in Queens, and it was left off, and people had problems with it. Uh, she combined some neighborhoods. They left my. OG neighborhood of East Flatbush off. Wasn't too thrilled about that. But that's another that's another story for another thing. But, you know, nobody's going to decide. How people decide what is the best neighborhood or what neighborhood they would prefer, it's really up to them. I don't know how to do that for everybody. I think everybody's their own thing. I looked at this specifically, Brian, as, okay, I look at this neighborhood. Which one would I prefer to either, A, primarily live in, or B, spend time in in some certain way? When I say spend time is where I'd like to go out, hang out, to eat, drink, maybe do something while it's good. Because there's some neighborhoods I ain't trying to go there. I don't want to go there. There's some neighborhoods people in New York City that people love to go that I don't care to go. It was you know it I'm was more the latter for me. It was also more the latter for me. It was less it was a little less live and more about like where would I want to like hang out at spend time. Okay. Like so if I were if you drop me in there for a day, 
could I like enjoy myself? Okay, that's fair. That's fair, and I th- I think everybody's criteria for that is 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 fine. At the time of this recording, okay, this is now in the sweet sixteen, and for people watching this, you can see the the Big Apple Madness bracket that we have. We're now in the sweet sixteen, and um, you know it's it's been interesting um, in terms of how it looks. The, t- the the brackets that they've got left, you got West Village, Harlem going up against each other, Greenpoint, Jackson Heights, Chinatown, Cobble Hill, Williamsburg going up against Flushing, Greenwich Village and Fort Greene squaring off Crown Heights, East Village, Lower East Side. Crown- whoa, 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 whoa. Crown Heights is in the Sweet 16? Crown Heights is in the Sweet 16. Shout All right, out. man. All right. Shout out to the neighborhood where it's I It's been a I good podcast. I went to high school. Um... Lower East Side against Prospect Heights, Astoria, what? and Sunnyside. Those are your sixteen final teams. All right, what, let, teams. we're not. We're, I'm not. I'm not analyzing the results because we, we can't even get to that point. Because the, putting the shit together, first of all, fucking, I don't know. What what part should we get through first? The well, fact that four Manhattan boroughs made up the number one seed. Well, okay, so that that was my. Major not Manhattan boroughs, Manhattan cities, neighborhoods. neighborhoods. That was my problem. The first of all, so let's hit that first. Was that you had four Manhattan neighborhoods as number one seeds, and it's like, no, listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Well, here's the thing. No, hold on. Before you say that, I think to some degree, it's like I got mad at it, but then it's like I kind of am not surprised at expecting it. I think it would have been fair to have two Manhattan neighborhoods. That are there? Because I think even a lot of people outside listen to podcasts, maybe you don't live in New York. You come to New York, you might want to live in Manhattan. Fine. I get that. Get on. Those people should not be making this list. That's my issue. Like <laughs> if we're gonna make if we're gonna make a, a list of 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 the things Brian that is really like, make... no, ju- no justification on my list. No, 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 no. Fuck that. Because if we're talking about the things that really make New York, New York, right? Right. Then a person of color from New York City, born and raised here, has to make this list. Because we know that, like, I will probably be more likely to go into certain neighborhoods than somebody who looks like a different kind of person. Okay. So, so hold if on. If you're, if you're, if you're a white dude, I'm not sure that you're putting certain neighborhoods on this list. If you're a white woman, I'm not sure that you're valuing certain neighborhoods on this list. I think, I think that you're more prone to put Manhattan neighborhoods in your top four as opposed to showing some love to places in Brooklyn and Queens in particular. And we're so, not even acknowledging Staten Island. I just want so to put here, that out so, there. So I would like to say to that. And I, there are no Bronx neighborhoods, I don't think, right? No, there were Bronx neighborhoods. There were Bronx neighborhoods in this. None made the Sweet 16. What kind? No. What kind of High Bridge was in there. I was actually surprised um, Riverdale was not there. I was shocked at that. That was, really nice <laughs> I was, I was a little shocked about that. High Bridge was in there. South Bronx was there. Um, I don't. I got to have to look again. But those two are the ones that came off the mind. No Bronx neighborhoods made the Sweet 16 for, for this. But what I was going to say to your point, I, I think, think the over- okay with that. I think the overall, yeah, yes, that's yes, a joke. Right? That's no, a joke. No, also, also, no, no Staten Island neighborhoods made the Sweet Sixteen either. It's only Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens. So no Staten Island, no Bronx made it. But I think a lot of other people from Brooklyn and Queens would be like, yeah, we saw that coming. But what? Here's the point I agree with you on, right? On this, it's a new New York list. That's my issue. I think I think what you need is if you're going to make this bracket, 
Brian's kind of making the point. I, I'm not saying it has to be. I think you have to have diversity in your experience in New York neighborhoods. I question that to anybody. If you're going to question what neighborhoods are better or say this is better or that is better, how diverse is your experience in New York neighborhoods? Like, come on, we know this to be true. There's a lot of people that stay in their neighborhoods that never been out white, black, whatever you might be, and they never get out of it. I've met black people, fellow black people, that never been to certain parts of Brooklyn. I've met white people that didn't even know certain black parts of Brooklyn because they ain't never go there, right? I've, this is this has occurred and this has happened. How diverse is your experience in New York to be able to judge what neighborhood is better than what? This is not even for the people creating the list. This is all for the people who voted. Like, really, how diverse is your experience? I think that matters. I think a lot of people, to Brian's point, might just put what they know. They might have biases. I think voters and creators. So what I think would have been probably better, and I'm not here to flame Autumn who made this list. I like that she made it and tried to do this and make this fun for people to enjoy. I think that's fine. But this is the kind of thing, Brian, where what do we talk about a lot on this podcast? We talk about diversity and maybe getting a little panel together of people of different backgrounds and different experiences that are from New York and have lived in New York might have been helpful. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain I would put a different panel together. I mean, if I if I have a panel, if it happened, I think it would have been said in the thread on Twitter where we found it, but it wasn't said. (laughs) If I if I had a panel, if I had a panel of five, if you said Brian, that's to be you and five other people to 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 put this list together. I know exactly who the five people would probably be, right off the bat, and I don't think any of them would put. Greenwich Village as the number one seed, you know what I'm saying? I don't think any of the I don't think any of the people I think would, or even West Village. And I'm looking at some of the places here. Well, there were a couple things in particular that I noted that I was saying, like, yo, Bushwick, where were they at? Because they I had them going far in this tournament. They're probably knocked out already in the actual tournament, but I don't give a fuck what people vote. They are not. They are. They are knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, they should be. They should be a lot fun. We had Ridgewood against the Upper West Side. Come on, that's that was, a, yo, like, I, I I loved it. That was you versus Gerard, man. Oh, and and Gerard was trying to defend himself. Like, no, nah, I'm not trying to hear that shit, Gerard. Ridgewood why, is slapping why, hold the on, shit hold on, at a hold fucking on, Upper West on. Side in the first why are you round. Mad, why are you mad good old fashioned, good old fashioned twelve five upset in March Madness, baby? You know what why, I'm saying? Why are you mad at the Upper West Side? The Upper West Side people know that Ridgewood is better because they're moving down here because they can't afford to no longer remain in the Upper West Side anyway. Uh, I know that because, you know, you could talk to some of my neighbors. Uh, Ridgewood is smacking the shit out of Upper West Side in the first round, (laughs) 77-56. Crown Heights is also, Crown Heights is a six seed. Would you have put Crown Heights as a six seed 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Fuck no, you wouldn't. This is some new shit. Yo, so you're mad at the you're mad at but Crown Heights has always been a good neighborhood for me. I like Crown Heights. Crown Heights would not have been a six seed if somebody. I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not disagreeing with that point that it wouldn't. You could say, oh, what we're talking about right now, and I'm like, look, look, I don't, I I don't agree. If you're, I think the point that you're making, Brian, is if gentrification hasn't had an impact on the way it was seating here, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. If Brian's point is right, so people who are not from New York that doesn't know, Crown Heights is a neighborhood that has seen a lot of gentrification. So is Brian seeing some in Ridgewood, where he is from, and areas around it like Bushwick and Williamsburg as well, too. These are neighborhoods that at one point wasn't that desirable, 
but until white folks started moving in, then they became more desirable to the masses, meaning other white people. And now these are the reason that they're seated as high. So I agree with Brian on that. The Crown Heights, which is where I went to school in the late 90s, early 2000s, would not have been a six seed if somebody made this bracket in the year 2000 or 2001 or whatever. It would not have been. Look, gentrification is here. We talked about it. You know, yo, you know what we're talking about? You know we should have talked to, we should have got to talk about this list? Our man, Sky Zoo. We should have got Sky Zoo to talk about should've. this Should have. We still could. We still could. He made, he made the album that can break all of this shit down for you that yeah. we talked about in our album of the year list that I had at number two. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, like, I, I, I think something tells me Sky, Sky Zoo's not going to be feeling all these rankings. Go ahead. Yeah, like, come on. You have, so, in, like, in the first part of the bracket, right? If you want, you could put the bracket on the screen so people could follow along or whatever the case may be. I will. Uh, there, are, there aren't names of these regions. I probably would have even, I probably would have even preferred that that way. Just have 16 neighborhoods from each borough and don't count Staten Island because they can get the fuck out of here. Um, you have Greenwich Village. Versus Brighton Beach. You have, I'm not even going to go through every matchup. I'm just looking at the ones that sort of got my attention. Seven right. versus ten. Upper East Side versus Bed Stuy. Bed Stuy is a ten seed. Hmm. Um, uh, well, that's one that wouldn't have been a ten seed 15 years ago. Right. Less. Probably less. I would say ten. I might even say five. Upper East Side versus Bed Stuy. Shit, I'm taking Bed Stuy. Shout out Bed-Stuy to Murph. Bed Stuy, do or die. Shout out to our man Murph. Yeah, like I'm looking, I'm like, yo, Ridgewood is beating Upper West Side, and then after that, they have to play Fort Green or Richmond Hill. Fort Green is beating the fuck out of Richmond Hill, first of all. Um, Ridgewood <laughs> versus Fort Green, who wins that? You tell me. I'm, I mean, I'm going to Fort Green because I would rather spend time in Fort Green and Ridgewood. There's no, outside, sorry, Brian. Outside of coming to see you, I have no reason to want to come to Ridgewood. We got Inca's Chicken. I want to hear that shit. Well, no, I think they're technically in Bushwick. We still got other shit. We got to stay out there tomorrow, you know what I'm saying? Incas, I thought Incas was – shout out to Incas. Good spot to Brian Puppy on to. I thought that was Ridgewood. That, it's, I looked it's at Bushwick, Bushwick, technically. I t- I'm on the border, dog. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I Listen, I, I, down a little I, bit. I'm taking four green, though. Sorry. Let me move down a little bit. Flatiron is the number one against the play-in between Brownsville and St. George. St. George is from Staten Island, isn't it? See, like St. George, George is Staten Island. Yeah, we can get him out of here. Oh, uh, shit. I don't know if I'm taking Black Brownsville over Flatiron, but I'll tell you what, Flatiron is probably losing in that second round. They're playing against Lower East Side or Leffert Gardens, Prospect uh, Leffert Gardens, Corona's a 12, Prospect Heights is a four against <laughs> Flatbush at 13. Prospect Heights is a four seed against Flatbush Prospect at 13? Heights is, Prospect Heights is a solid neighborhood. I'm surprised they actually got ranked a that four? high. Four? I'm surprised they got ranked that high, but it's a good neighborhood. That's high. That's hot. Four? God damn. They're like an eight. All right. Hold on. Before we don't have to go through everything, but give me this. Is there a neighborhood that you feel absolutely positively got disrespected here? Like they should have been higher. You know why Bushwick? Because that's where all the white people are flocking to because Williamsburg, they fucking ruined that shit already, right? All the gentrification, all the gentrifiers, they're fucking, they fucking, they fucking ruined Williamsburg already. They're coming up to Ridgewood and Bushwick. I'm surprised Bushwick is the number 10. They should be a lot higher than that, uh, you know, given uh, what they fucking did. You barely see neighborhoods with Puerto Rican flags the way you used to. Bushwick is a 10 uh, against Flushing as a 7. They would beat the fuck out of Flushing. They would beat the financial district after that. 
Then after Wait, that, you're going to have... Oh, hold, on, hold on a second. <laughs> That's what I wanted to go. I'm glad you brought one of those up. Where was the financial district? A two-seed. Against Q Gardens. No, no, hold on. Against Q Gardens. Hold on. See now that Q Gardens on. is a 15. Hold on. Hold, on. hold my beer. Let me How do you have Q Gardens and not Forest Hills? Hold on. Let me let me explain something to people. If you're from New York, you're gonna feel me on this and you're gonna know this. And Ryan, the real New Yorkers, we know this. Financial district. Okay. A lot of people work there. A lot of people like to work there. I know somebody who used to live there. Like as a fellow journalist, I'm not gonna put their business out there. I don't. And I used to, they used to live there, and I used to, on coming back from Nets practice, I used to drop them off there. And I used to, I asked this journalist about living there. Like, do you like it? Because if anybody knows anything about financial district, it's really all about business. So it's the one part of New York. I would really say the one part of New York. Maybe this happens in Tribeca too a little bit, which is just north of it. At when business hours are over, it gets really quiet. So one part of New York gets real quiet. There's not that much going on. All the businesses around there, the bars, mostly everything, they cater to the other Wall Street businesses that are down there. It's a very dead area. I don't know if anybody's like, yo, man, I really want to live in Fidei. Like, I, 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 I haven't heard that. <laughs> like, nobody that's from New York, even if you're from New York and it's a Manhattan neighborhood, I don't think Manhattan, you're telling me that this is a top eight neighborhood in New York City? The financial you know? district? Is people only go neighborhood. Come on, people man. only go there for happy hour. That's it. That's it. People no, no, no. only go there for oh, fucking no, no. happy hour. People go there for happy hour because they work there. Because they the work there. there. Right. right. They, they don't travel to there. there. Yes. I'm it's never gonna be point. like. I'm gonna be like, yo, son, yo, Brian, come meet me in Five Eye for happy hour. Why? Nobody does that. Like that's that's a see that's a. I'm with you on that. That's a top eight one. You're telling me that's a top eight neighborhood in New York City. That's Kansas. <laughs> yeah. You can't tell me that. You're telling That's me that Duke? This, is, this is a neighborhood that has a lot that people want to go there. People are only there because they work there. That's what I'm saying. So so I, I, I think I think you just made the argument for Q Gardens beating Financial District in round one. Well, that's who I voted for. Uh, Bushwick would be uh, Q Gardens after that. I would just say that. Uh, you have right, right on top of that. Long Island City is six. That's another one that shocked me because it was low. I thought Long Island City would be higher, given that they're becoming the Queen's version of Williamsburg, Williamsburg. or have become yep. the Queen's version of Williamsburg, because their apartments are getting fucking smaller and smaller and pricier and pricier. And yeah, have fun living with the fucking rats and taking the seven train. They're playing Woodside on the 11, uh, on the 11 seed. Woodside is cool. It's quiet. I mean, I'm taking LIC over that. Williamsburg, <laughs> Williamsburg being a three seed is perfect, huh? Like... <laughs> Over Sheep's Head Bay. You like Sheep's Head Bay. When, like when, when did you hear that? Don't you? <laughs> when did you hear that? <laughs> I, like, I, I'm, I live about two neighborhoods north of Sheep's Head Bay. <laughs> Sheep's Head Bay is Sheep's Head Bay is I well, we're getting little, to you in a little bit. It's a little too far south in a bit, but I don't like like Sheep's Head Bay. Now here's the thing. I, I do go ahead. I'll I'll vote it over Williamsburg because I'm not as fond of Williamsburg as other people are. But that's I'm, I'm pu- I'll put Williamsburg ahead of it, but here's the thing that's perfect, right? Then you have LIC versus Williamsburg. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> the battle of the extreme gentrification in Brooklyn, Brooklyn and Queens. Seriously. This is this is like putting Brock Lesnar against Bobby Lashley. Like it's I, the old. I, I versus, don't. I don't really understand that because I don't watch wrestling. They're fighting for the WWE Championship at the Royal Rumble. 
You know what I'm saying? So you know Brock Lesnar. You know Brock Lesnar. I know Brock Lesnar is. Bobby Bobby Lashley is the black version of him. Okay. Except in this case, like, there's not a white or a black. It doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. Long Island City versus Williamsburg to get into 316. Whoever wins, Bushwick is winning. All right? Don't care. Bushwick is winning. I listen. I'm gonna also say this. <laughs> I told people I looked at this neighborhoods I want to live in, neighborhoods I really want to spend time in. The three of those don't really care. Don't really but, but, care. Well, well, here, well, okay. Pre-gentrified Bushwick, yes or no? I mean, yeah, I went to school there, so <laughs> I got love for it there. You know what I'm saying? Shout, shout out to Philip Scala Middle School, best best middle school in the world. In Bushwick, and I, this is another thing that can't be conveyed through a podcast. We're talking as two New Yorkers who know this. That was a neighborhood that was full of culture. I talked to Brian about this the other day. Yeah, full of culture, strong Puerto Rican pride and culture there. On the, in a way that Flatbush still there, but to a lesser degree. To a lesser degree, the way Flatbush is a little Caribbean. Yeah. It was that you saw that for the Puerto Rican culture, proud Puerto Rican folks there in Bushwick, yeah. and dope to see. Um, and they I hide think it we, from us. They move in, yeah. they move in by us, but they hide it from us. I, I, yeah, but I think <laughs> I think what Brian is trying, I think what you're trying to say here, B, before we wrap this segment up, is what is disappointing about some of these neighbors that you've seen move up that wouldn't have been higher 10, 15 years ago that happens. And when we had Sky Zoo on and we talked about his latest, latest album, All the Brilliant Things, it's the eradication of certain cultures that you see in that neighborhood that's disappointing. So Murph, our friend Jamal Murphy said this in the chat, and I thought he said this, which was right. He said, when you were growing up in Brooklyn, particularly people of my age and even older and even Brian's age, these neighborhoods in Brooklyn, the outer boroughs in Queens, they were different from Manhattan. They were neighborhoods that had the culture. This is where you went for that. You had these cultural neighborhoods, white, black, whatever you may be. You know, Flatbush is known for the Caribbean folks. Bushwick was known for the Puerto Rican folks. Bensonhurst was known for the Italian folks and the racism. And so there were <laughs> things that you had in these different neighborhoods that people knew that was that that you knew that was there. And so it's it that stuff is taken away. I think it takes away the culture from the neighborhood and not the pride. And certain of these el- neighborhoods are now elevated just because white folks came in. So I think the weight doesn't feel the same, which is why I would like to see somebody do this. Let's get a diverse panel of people. No, let's do it. You and I do it. We can yeah, do it. Let's, no, we need more than just you and I. Okay, me, you, Murph, Erica. Who else we need? Let's get we need some, we need somebody. We, you know what we should get in here? Let's get we should get my man Ben Couch, uh, my Jewish brother from Midwood. We yeah. need to get him. We could get our man Michael Scotto, Italian brother from uh Cobble Hill, Carroll Gardens. We need some diversity up in here, people who are really from the city. We probably yeah. need some people from some other boroughs because we're a little Brooklyn Queens heavy. We get our man Jeff Armstrong from the Bronx. You know yeah, what I'm saying? There we, you go. We, we got we, you know we occupy somebody who's from from Manhattan that's brought up in there. We got to diversify it from Harlem. We could ignore Staten Island because we don't need to pay attention to them. Yeah. But you know we could do some <laughs> things and make it diverse. And I think if you had a diverse panel, I seriously mean this. I mean this with all seriousness. I think if there was a diverse panel behind it, not just one person. And I apologize. Autumn Florek, if I'm wrong for this, but it appears like you were the only person, according to your tweets, that came up with this list. And while I appreciate what you tried to do for the sake of discussion and competition, I do. I still think if you had a more diverse panel, 
you'd have had more people weigh in on neighborhoods that might say what Brian says, like, no, 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 hey, get up out of here. This neighborhood don't need to be this high. We're not looking at the cultural impact or why is this neighborhood this high? I just so, noticed something else. I think that's it. Uh-oh, something else has pissed Brian off. Here we go. Bay Ridge is an 11 seed. And Washington Heights is a 14 seed. Dex? I mean, Dex. I mean, listen, I ain't gonna talk, <laughs> look, man, I ain't gonna say nothing about the Heights. I'm gonna leave that to our Dominican brothers and sisters who be repping up there. And they wanna say, if you wanna tell me that they're, Look, here's the point. Let, 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 let's, 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 cut the bulls, let's cut the bullshit with this, okay? Let's say what we're really saying here. We, got, we just could call a spade a spade, a thing a thing. They ain't given the culture, the, the, hit the neighborhoods. Let me rephrase that. The, this seems to weigh heavily on neighborhoods that have more of a presence of whiteness. That's what we're talking about here. And the neighborhoods that are still historically, culturally present of maybe one specific culture, a la a Washington Heights, a la a Flatbush, right? And the, te- and the places you read off in the Sweet 16 skewed that way, yes? Skewed that way, clearly. It clearly has. That tells it, you who's it, voting for the list. Yes, and who also has moved into certain neighborhoods that maybe did it one time skew a certain way culturally and now no longer does, right? Whether it's Bushwick or Williamsburg, where you have these examples, right? And this is the reason why, to this point, if you're looking at this gentrification rules here, Bronx neighborhoods, which there still has been a lot of gentrification there, or Staten neighborhoods, Staten Island neighborhoods, where there just tends to actually be a lot of white people, don't necessarily, uh, and older white people and families don't necessarily mean to tend to make up this list. And Wu-Tang. The way things played out, yeah, but they got forgotten. You know what I'm saying? Like, Stapleton is not, or didn't make this list. Um <laughs> Th- th- these neighborhoods have g- are getting forgotten. And I think this is the point that you and Murph were making when we talk. These neighborhoods are getting forgotten in the greatness of how great these neighborhoods are for being culturally rich among NYC. And you're losing neighborhoods like that because Bushwick, even though I, I went to high school, to middle school in Bushwick, Bushwick doesn't have the same, I don't think it's lost it completely, but it doesn't have the same feel that it did in the 90s of this rich Puerto Rican heritage just all in your face the way it was. As soon as you go to Knickerbocker, you already know what the fuck it is. You know what I'm saying? Even even Red Hook is a 10 on this. Yeah, but what, 10 seat but, on but, this. but here's the thing. Red Hook, when I was growing up, was a neighborhood nobody wanted to go to. And that nobody. Was, nobody wanted to go to. But now certain parts of it now has become so much more gentrified. And so that's the thing. Look, this list is like a lot of things that go on in America. If white people say they like it, then everybody got to act like it's good. And Dumbos that's are eight. Right. And that's and, and like that, last that, thing I'm gonna point out. Last thing I'm gonna point out. Go this ahead. In, we this involves on. your neighborhood of Kensington. There are 13 playing Harlem. That's a four. Um, look. We had no shot. What but white people love Harlem now. I don't yeah. know where Harlem is if you make this list previously. It kind of depends on who's making the list. But Harlem yeah. is uh, I'll say this Harlem is very different now uh than it was previously, you know. Uh, especially, you know, more than I do. Never. Nah, now you're right. Look, I like the effort on this. I just think when we make lists like this and stuff, like we do everything else, we need to be diverse as possible. Culturally, gender, ex- lived experience in New York, all this stuff matters. Because I think if you had done this, you would have got a better bracket and maybe some better seating. I'm not, and you might actually get this to happen. Brian talked about who's voting here. Maybe you also get 
more diverse people to work. Just works like that sometimes. Yeah. Just works like that with diversity. That's all you need. Because Brian's probably right. I'd love to see the racial demographic of who's voting for this. I'd love to see. And where they live and what their income is, it'd be very interesting to see mm-hmm. who's voting for this stuff. But it's whatever. We could battle this all that we want, but we all know one thing. East Flatbush is the best neighborhood. Y'all know that. <laughs> <laughs> one time for your mom, one time. One time for your mom, one time. One time for your mind. It's a good one this week. Good, good one. We do not have separate topics like we usually do. We got one thing to talk about. And you know why? After our last podcast, we did the last one of 2021, which we gave you the Hip Hop Awards. We got blessed with another new project from the legend, Nasir Jones. In this case, Brian knows this. I like when albums come out the blue. I you like do. when you don't know anything about it. I yeah. love it. And I really wish more artists, established artists, did it. Man, fuck the promo. Fuck releasing the single and having all this build up. Just give me the project. Nas does this. On Christmas Eve Eve, he announced this project. New project. Nine tracks. Magic. With none other than the producer he's worked with on his last two projects. Hit Boy. And Brian sent me this. And I immediately had a smile on my face. Oh, it was, it was, was made like, for you. It was made for you. I was, I was like, okay, love the track listing. Love how, not, not the track listing, but the amount of tracks, the time. I didn't know the runtime, whatever, nine tracks. You, love you how knew Primo was going to be there, though. It did say that. Saw, saw a feature from DJ Premier, so I know I'm getting some boom bap and some scratches. All right. One, one feature on this project, ASAP Rocky. Shout out to ASAP Rocky, did the thing. It's magic. This drops on Christmas Eve, which is on a Friday. And but it's interesting because I would say this to people. If you know, if you've watched the last two years, Brian and I have talked about how we have listened and experienced our these Nas releases that have happened, right? We got King's Disease in 2020. Brian and I are talking. We'll listen to it as it drops at midnight. And we are both just smiling and texting each other about how much we enjoy this. Same thing with King's Disease. We listen to this at midnight. We, you know, we enjoy it. It's pretty good. We talk a lot about it. We talk about it in the pod. This is one we listen to Christmas Eve. I'm listening to this too. I was busy that night. I'm listening to, I'm cooking. I'm making some food for uh, Christmas dinner. I'm making some sorrel and some curry chicken. Mm. I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh, nice. You got that magic. (laughs) You delivered us that magic. You delivered us what we needed here. This, look, we wax poetic about King's Disease 1 and King's Disease 2 and how impressed we were with Nas and the rapping, and the production by Hit Boy, and all of this. And I think Brian is going to fill me on this. But this shit right here, this project, I don't know, man. I might like this the best. I'm not saying this has the best songs. But I think cohesively, sonically, I love the sound of this. It's very stripped-down production. It's very grimy. It works. Nas is spitting as hungry as I've heard him in years, in my opinion. Probably even better rapping than on King's Disease 1 and King's Disease 2. It's short. It's not got not really a great concept. This is one of those like lyrical flexing albums, and I can enjoy these from time to time. And Nas just sounds great on this. They, like, great. I, 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 like, if, this is, I don't even, I hate saying this because it sounds a bit hyperbolic, but it's like, yo, this is what I think a lot of people have wanted from a Nas project in a while, right? 
in the stripped down nature of it, it's I am not saying this. So I want nobody to twist my words to be clear with this. The length of it, the amount of tracks, the stripped down nature and the sound of it gives it a Illmatic-esque feel. This is not Illmatic, please. There are not songs in here that is good as the best songs in Illmatic. It's not that. But it does have a feeling of that hunger. The sonics of it are a little bit similar in, in that way. It's just a really enjoyable listen. I'm not sure. We, we're going to get, Brian and I are going to get this another time, probably later this year. I'm not sure where I rank this in terms of Nas projects. And I don't think now is the time for this. I think we need to sit with this a little bit more. But it's really good. I really enjoy this. I found myself playing it a lot over and over. I like it. It's nice on the AirPod Pros that I got for Christmas. It's nice in the whip. <laughs> it's, nice when I, it's nice when I'm working out. It, it passes and checks all the boxes in the test B. Yeah. I, it, this this is just a really good project that it just makes me smile. I just really like the hunger from Nas on this. I really like this energy lyrically. And yo, it's undeniable. When he and Hip Boy get together, they're making magic. They're making this magic. And it's good. They're on a run that's incredible right now. The music that they're making is so dope. I'm excited. What you? What do you think, man? I'm just I, excited. I think you hit it out the park and you hit on the key thing being like it checks all the boxes right so the cleaning test that you've outlined here before <laughs> uh which i always referred to now because it's such a great great theory and for people who don't know new listeners because we're probably going to have some um the cleaning test is basically if you're playing a song does this while you're cleaning your house make you album, want to run across the room say that again i'm saying if you're playing an album if you're playing an album, rather, yeah. Does this song make you want to run across the room while you're cleaning, stop what you're doing, and skip the song, right? Or does it not, and will you? are you willing to play it, or do you enjoy right. listening to it? Like, There's also levels of skipping, because there's that. And then it's like, ah, I don't need to go across the room to skip it. Right. I'll just listen to it this one time. Right. But if you if you have your phone in your hand, you probably will still skip it. So, you know, that's still another like variation of that. And then the other thing is the workout uh, sort of uh, box. And this checks the shit out of that. I would say more so than the other two Kings of Seas albums because of what this is sort of uh, stylistically. It's more in your face, boom, bap, uh, more straightforward, less of a concept, et cetera, et cetera. There's not a lot of like deep thinking here by comparison to the Kings of Seas one and two albums, one in particular. Right. Um, there doesn't need to be though. Like it, it's an EP. Like it, it's, I think it's great for what it is. If this came out a little bit sooner, it would have been our EP of the year last year for both of us. I'm certain of saying that. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, for Because sure. we we came out with our awards that week, and then Nas was like, Nas and Hit Boy were like, you know what? We're going to hit you with an EP on Christmas Eve. Um, and then who was the, the hip-hop website? I don't remember if it was Double uh, XL, Hip-Hop DX. I don't remember who it was for saying that the, the, the album flopped. And oh, it's hip-hop, hip-hop DX. Hip-hop That's DX. disappointing because I like Hip-Hop DX, but... It don't matter because they didn't do that for that. Otherwise, they wouldn't have dropped it on Christmas Eve. They just had some shit. They wanted to drop it. And I think, here's the thing. I think they also dropped it because, I don't know, Nas, I think, is uh, kind of feeling the things that we've talked about here, Dex, about like Nas fans being slighted on his behalf because you're seeing him being left out of conversations that he should obviously be in. And I think that you hear some of that through this project, and that's my biggest takeaway from it, from Speechless down to Meet Joe Black, which is the second song on the album, which is my favorite so far in my several listens front to back. And it's a very easy 
to listen to front to back. Like that's one of the things that jumped out at me at first is the high replay value this all has straight through as a project, which is great. All the way through to dedicated the last song. Like there is a hunger there, as Dexter said. And I, f- I feel maybe I'm wrong, but there's a level of Nas being irritated, being left out of certain conversations, which he does lend voice to on some bars. And feeling like he's not getting the respect he deserves. Now, you could say that's egotistical, uh, but to somebody who feels the same way, probably to a lesser degree, because I'm not fucking Nas. But to, you know, to somebody who feels the same way, this hit me in that particular way, so I really enjoyed this. Like, I really enjoyed this album a lot. I don't know where I'm going to rank it and, and things of that nature, but, like, I... And I can't even compare it to the first two Kings Disease projects necessarily because it's in a different sort of vein. This is more in that Lost Tapes vein of what it is and, you know, it being put together differently, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of repay value, it's very similar because Kings Disease 1, I was hearing over and over after it came out. Kings Disease 2, same thing. I'd probably say Kings Disease 1, maybe slightly more. Kings Disease 2 had songs that I would play more often. This, I would just play it straight through. I just put on track one and I know in a half hour... Like, this is what I'm going to listen to just straight through. Boom, 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 boom. And I think it, like, it is EP of the year that came out last year. I almost want to rank it for this coming year. I don't know if I'm going to cheat and do that. I might. We'll see. Um, And then. uh, I'm not. You know what? I'm I'm not because I'm just going to say, look, we recorded our stuff before, but we can amend things. And if you listen to the last episodes, we know it was the EP last year. Y'all should know it was EP last year. So, yeah. And it probably also makes my top 10, though. Oh yeah, it would have absolutely been a top ten. <laughs> like, it might. It, it's funny. I might actually sit and say like, it's not. I don't think it's a better project than like Dave, who we both had at number one. But yeah. I think it's like I could argue it's like one of my more enjoyable projects. Yeah. And this is what I like more out of in hip hop. I just I don't know, man. Like I hear you. I'm glad we agree on the hunger. The songs are great. Meet Joe Black's one of my favorites. I love Ugly on this, which is a song that actually has a really good concept around it about just the ugliness of the streets and growing up around the streets that's, that's really good the song with primo with the scratch with ASAP rocky. rocky also asap rocky yo nice verse. to hear from him again yeah love it um truth is actually uh rising up is one of my favorite songs on this yeah. and as usual i'll say i said this to my boy because it was funny like i went over to one of my boys cribs who's big nas fan and big we're big knicks fans we watching the game together and i came in he's bumping he's bumping the album so we, you know, chilling in his crib, we were bumping the album. He's like, yo, he's like, ask me some of my favorite joints. And I told him, I said, yo, and he's like, yo, I, he's like, I can never get past Speechless. And I said, I told him, I said, we're going to say this on the podcast. We know this about Nas, and Brian and I always say this. Nas knows how to kick off an album. <laughs> the album of Nas that are really good. When Nas kicks off the album and lets you know what time it is, yeah. you be like, ooh, what else is coming next? Yeah. And this Speechless is another one. This album starts off strong. It's just a good vibe all the way through. And, and, and this seems like this was just Nas just being like, yo, this is some Lucy, you know, sort of underground vibe, stripped down production that I'm just going to give away as an EP. But I just think the thing I think people should come away from this is like, not that I ever subscribe to this. I've never been the person that thinks like because a rapper gets older that they're somehow going to get lyrically worse. I always think you should be lyrically sharper and actually more diverse in what you have to say. I hate people that make that argument because it's fucking stupid. But I think that he is lyrically sharp and pushing himself at the age of 48 and pushing himself to get better, which is what you should see about an artist. And it's great to see this from our legends like him and Jay that are still rapping, still doing it at a high level. It shows what hip hop can be and push beyond 
and what we can see as this dude. Another thing I want to say, 2022, especially after Magic, especially after King's Disease 1 and 2, let's get my man Nas in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't really necessarily care if it is about all these accomplishments. We all know he's a legend. We all know in my heart he has the greatest rap album of all time with Illmatic. This man should have already been in in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, I just watched Jay-Z and LL Cool J's inductions the other day, which were very good. I wish LL Cool J had went in on his own and Jay-Z on his own. I thought they should have been separated from each other so they can get all the flowers at that time. And I hope the same thing happens for Nas. He needs to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That needs to happen. Let's see that happen. Induct him in 2022. It's about time. He also might get his second Grammy. Uh, because the Grammys are kind of coming up, and he's up for album of the year again with King's Disease too. So we'll see uh, if he does that. I I don't I wouldn't be mad if he didn't necessarily. Although I do think his album is the best there. But you know the off season, J Cole was there, and Tyler the Creator's album is also there. So those are really good. Yeah. I wanted to ask uh, because we only th- another thing that you probably like a lot about this EP, knowing you, uh, the lack of guests. Probably oh, you yeah. know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, but yeah. I, I just want to hear Nas rap, and I'm getting that. I hear Nas rap. I love it. <laughs> it's I just Aesop Rocky who was great, and it, it, kind of like a King's Disease one, right? Where I remember we looked at the track list, and you were like, "It feels like there's a lot of guests," but I'm like, "If you pay it, if you look though closely, like there are guests, there are multiple guests in some songs. Like there was a lot one, of just R&B hook. The one with the fur, singer. like it was minimal, right? So it didn't even when you listen to the album now, you don't feel like." It's a fucking, you know, it's him and somebody else every song. Which for this, you could tell it's him, Hit Boy, and then there's one song with ASAP Rocky and DJ Premier. But if you had to pick one artist to have a guest verse, where, where who would it be and what song? If you had to pick one, because I was thinking about this as I was listening. Yo, that's really good thought. Because I, I do think this stuff at times, that's a really good question, Dave. Because I do think this at times with projects where I'm listening to a song long enough and I'm like, oh, I'm going to hear this on the verse. I'm going to give you one. I, I would love to see, I've long wanted to see Nas. There's a song that I just love on this album that I, there's a couple people I can hear on it. So I'm going to give you two artists here. But I think they'd fit perfectly on the song and I think they would have delivered great verses. One is a, a younger artist than Nas that I've wanted to see him collaborate for a long time and that's Kendrick. And I would have liked to have seen Kendrick on Ugly. I think Kendrick would have been fantastic on Ugly. We've seen what Kendrick have done with songs that are focused around one word, where it's fear or feel. I think putting him here would have been good. The other person I would mention for that song would have been Andre 3000. I would have really liked to have seen what he could have done on something like that. I think that could have been really good. There's a song like Meet Joe Black, which I know you love, that I would have liked That's to see. That's where I went first. There's, there's a lot of people I could see in that song. But you got to give me a rapper that's going to come with the hunger and aggression on that that I think could be really good. So there's some names I'm going to throw out for that. One I think is a favorite of yours that I think could work. That's Freddie Gibbs. I think Gibbs could have been nice on that track. I think it would have worked really well. I think Black thought somebody else that could bring the hunger on that that could work really well. Yeah. Um, so that's, th- those are some of mine that I'll see. So, but if for my first pick, I would have liked to feature on Ugly, and I'd say Kendrick or Andre T. I think Sky Zoo would tear up Ugly. I think he would have. I can see that. I can see that. I can see that. Sky Zoo is one I thought about, and this one is partially because of the name of the song. But you're going to see where I'm going with this. Okay. I think Beanie Sigel would have killed the truth, uh, which is well, toward the that, back part of that. that I, I, well, I also like what you did there. I like yeah. Beanie Sigel with the truth. I like that. Yeah. I like, yeah. That. I, I like that. It's very, it's very good. I like that. I like that. But I can see him on that. I like that. Down if, I, 
that would have been a nice feature that has meaning in the feature too. So I like that. I yeah, like that. I think that would have been a nice just full circle hip hop moment, if you will. Yeah. You could woo is for the children. You could obviously, you know, you could go method the way shit, the way Method Man's been rapping lately. I would love to hear like But Method that that album. that's a beat that's a beat tailor made for Ghost or Rayquan. Or Ghost or Rayquan. Beat, yeah. That's a beat tailor made for a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and this is a this is a little bit more of a layup, but like I still do want to hear a Nas and Jay song on a Nas or Jay song, as opposed to on a DMX album, Rest in Peace, or a DJ Khaled okay. album. I think Jay-Z on Meet Joe Black would be very interesting. I, I, I That's what I Two thought about. veterans just showcasing their hunger. And I could Jay sort of like turning back the clock a little bit, rapping a little faster, you know what I'm saying? Because it's a, it's a more upbeat, uh, intense song. I could see Jay like doing his thing on that. Yo, that's, that's a good one. I didn't think about doing this. And I'm going to say something. So my 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 boy, one of my friends, Anthony, the same one I was watching Nick game with, he was talking about this album. He said to me, "Does do I think that this project pushes Jay to make something like this? With this <laughs> I had this thought also. <laughs> like, is this, is this? Like, and he was saying this in this way that I understood, which was like not about like a, a feudal level, but like, you know, Nas has shown he's been rapping and putting these projects out very consistently in the last two years at a very high level of rapping too. Does this push Jay to be like, yo, I got to be better than Nas? I'm 30 now, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, which is what hip hop should do. And so I'm like, yeah, that'll be dope. Like, I hope that happens. I hope, you know, because we already see Jay did his project with no ID on 444. And does Jay come back with another project if he's inspired to? Now, obviously, I think Jay and Nas and whatever artists that are older should do these things when inspired to give us the best music. But yeah, I would like to see Jay come back with something in this vein. When I say like magic, I mean in the way of what we're talking about. With magic, we see this this hunger that's here, right? Like it's very evident that you've got this hunger here. I think people could say, and Jay fans, I'm a Jay fan myself, can admit we want to see Jay come back with that hunger. I think the last time we saw Jay with that level of hunger on a project is probably American Gangster, I would say. I, while I love 444, I don't think he necessarily raps as good as he did on American Gangster. And can we see that? I think a lot of that had to do with, I think Jay took that album back to the essence, the reasonable doubt essence, I would say, of what he is with a reflect, reflective look at the street game and hustling and that, which was fantastic. I love American Gangster. One of my favorite Jay albums. Imagine. But I would like to see Jay, yeah, if he locked in with somebody, is Jay locking with somebody else like a primo? Uh, do we see him locked with a producer like that? Remember, folks, we were supposed to get Jay and Primo for an album. The Black album was supposed to be that, and that ended up not being that. It was supposed to be just Jay-Z and DJ Premier, which I still wish. I'm still hoping for the Nas and DJ Premier album. Yep. That. that would be fantastic. And shit, if we get a Nas and Primo album with the Jay feature, woo! I'm telling you, I might be good for the rest of my hip-hop life after that. <laughs> that I'm, I'm like, my hip-hop fandom life, I'm like fine with that. Like, that'll be fine as long as it's good. But yeah, I'd like to see that. My boy brought that up. Um, I'd love to see that from Jay. I hope this pushes and inspires all this work from Jay, Nas, et other rappers that you can engage, you can still be creative as you get older, and you can still put out great bodies of work. It can happen. We can see that. So, salute to Nas. Yo, salute to Hip Boy, because these beats are fire. Yo, yeah. Okay? These yeah. beats are fire. Like, let's give, let's give Sweet Hip Boy all the flowers on this. He's our producer for the year, two years in a row. We gave it to him before this drop, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yo, salute to Hip Boy on this because the, the beats are fire on this. But 
Nah, man, loved it. I'm going to be bumping this for a while. I don't see this being out of the rotation at all in 2022. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited. What you got to say, B? And remember, Nas said, and I forget what song. I think it was might have been Ugly. Ugly. Um, King's Disease 3 is happening. Yeah. Look, I don't need it this year. Like, y'all could really take a break. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all, if y'all want to just chill and Nas wants to drop it in time for, like, his 50th next year, that's cool, too. But, I mean, if y'all going to drop it, you know, I'm not going to complain because they're they're three for three right now in terms of projects. And they're like a real, they're like three for three, not like yeah. a bullshit three for three. No, no, this is, <laughs> yeah, this is a strong three for three. They, 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 they're out here, they're out here doing good. Keep them averages up. Salute to Nas and uh, Hit Boy on Magic Project. Check that out if you haven't listened to it. That'll be it for this episode of the A Heart Stuff Podcast, episode 207, our first of 2022. We got a lot more great stuff coming up in 2022. Ryan said it's going to be the best year of his career. Damn right, going to be the best year of mine, best for this podcast. Yep. We continue to grow onward and upward with the Props Network. We thank them for our support. We also thank you guys for your support of Backpack Broadcasting Content. You can continue to support us via Patreon, and we always got to give a shout-out to our patrons that do support us. Also, check out our promotion that we have with Prize Picks. Use our promo code Podcast. You do that. Match your first deposit up to $100. You can absolutely check that out. Continue to support us. Follow us on all your social media platforms. He's Brian Fonseca. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, we're going to be bumping that magic. You should be too. Peace. 